Hey guys, welcome to our episode on education. This is Extrospection. So, hello. Um, today we are talking about education, and we have a wonderful English teacher um, here today with us. Um, she primarily teaches English for a secondary school. Yeah, let's kick it off. All right, welcome, Teacher K. Um, Thank you. I guess we we have a really personal question to start off with. Um, we wanted to know, you know, they say people say that teaching is kind of a profession of passion. So why did you decide that you wanted to be a teacher? Um, I think I agree. A lot of people are quite passionate about their subject, which is why they get into teaching. Um, I also kind of feel there is a slight sense of naivety as well when everyone makes that job application. Um, it's as in how you see teachers being portrayed in media. I can't remember the name of the film, but she single-handedly changes the lives. Changes. School, yeah. Yeah, um, yeah single-handedly with no extra budget, <laughs> no extra support from staff. <laughs> I felt that quite a lot of the literature that I had in school was, it wasn't as interesting or there wasn't as much of a variety, I felt, um, compared to the huge variety that you're exposed to at uni. Um, it would be really nice, actually, if I got the chance to teach things like this when I was in school. But I think that was one of the main things that made me want to get into teaching. I hear you. I hear you. I I I, th I think it's it's. I mean, it, it's maybe one of the most important um, professions in the world, to be honest. At least in my opinion. Uh, but for some reason, I I don't know how it is in the UK, but from my time in the US, there was always discussion around how teachers, people don't stay teachers. Uh, there's so much extra stress put on them that I, I again, I think European. The way Europeans treat their teachers is a bit different from like certain U.S. states where people are like striking and stuff. But I, I don't know. So what do you think is like the biggest barrier really for people who want to become teachers or stay teachers? I think, um, well, it's interesting you were saying that about the U.S. There is actually a statistic. Sometimes it uh, floats around on Twitter. Um, while that a lot of people who train as teachers, they leave within five years of joining the profession. Mm. Um, so sometimes on teacher Twitter, people will tweet, oh, I beat the statistic. I'm here for my sixth year in a row, um, <laughs> which is, is an achievement. Yeah. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Twitter is where people share so many teaching ideas. Um, and it's quite nice, actually, where you get quite a lot of really good ideas. But like with all forms of social media, it can be a bit overwhelming um, at times. But I think um, getting into teaching, it can feel a bit... Um, it can feel a bit daunting, I feel, especially with secondary school. I remember when I was in my teacher training program, everyone's worry was, oh, what if those students are rude to us? And we were thinking like general teenage angst and hormones that, you know, we're having to deal with. <laughs> and everyone did sort of say to me as well, why on earth would you go for secondary school? From my perspective, as much as I love little children, and I think they're great, um, 30 of them in one classroom can be a bit much um purely because I find them quite they want a lot of attention and while they're really lovely um I feel like that's a very different skill set and empathy you need for younger children but another thing that I definitely feel that is that's uh, maybe makes teachers sort of 
not, I don't want to say fed up, but makes them want to leave the profession is that they kind of feel the stress a little bit, especially people who go up into leadership positions. So if you're like a head of house, a head of year, mm-hmm. or a head of department, um, the pressures that you're facing can be huge. And also, you know, dealing with parent pressure as well, depending on the type of school you're in or the type of area. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of work and it's maybe not what everyone expected. You know, we're in so many places, you sort of think it's a nine to three job. You have your six weeks off for summer and you completely put your foot up. But where the reality of the job is, we rarely leave the building at three. And if we do leave the building at three, then we're taking work home with us. And mm-hmm. um, so, you know, we don't actually finish all the work at three we're taking home our marking our lesson planning all the emails that we have to respond to so I think that can I think the work-life balance with teaching can be really really difficult um to manage and that's not something that I guess teacher training quite prepares you for you become aware of it but you don't actually quite realize how difficult it can be at times and I think the pandemic has definitely made that harder for some people So, I mean, you said something about like parent pressure. It's like the parents hound you, like send you angry emails. Is it a competition between parents? How, how do you, how is it? Um, at times it can be a bit of both. Um, you never know half the time when you've got parent contact. Uh, you know, when you get that call from reception and they say, oh, a parent asked you to call back. And you're like, oh gosh, which one is it? <laughs> um, is it a good one? Is it a bad one? So um, we just kind of need to be ready. And I think it depends. <laughs> If it's more for a pastoral reason, so if it was for a social issue, they might say like, oh, my child would never do such a thing when it's like, yeah, literally, we've had that so many times, (laughs) my angel, it's all the other children. And we've had that before. But also, sometimes we get the parents who, who would email and they'll say, can I please get extra work to support my child? Um, I'm really sorry, my child has been doing this, which is really supportive. Or we do have some parents who will think, my child is a prodigy genius why is he not being challenged more and we're like not quite and we, we <laughs> want to support your child um but you know this overwhelming pressure that your child that your child is getting from you is probably not very supportive so yeah it's um it's quite a mixed bag I guess when it comes to parent response um but yeah because of um teacher email being more transparent during this pandemic quite a lot of teachers are getting email directly which in a way has been quite nice um just for them to directly email and say, my son doesn't get this. Could you please help me explain it so, so um, to my son, which has been quite positive. Do you feel like teaching in general is fairly valued in society? Oh, good question. Um, I think during that first pandemic, I felt that, yes, where so many people said, you know, there were so many jokes going around with, oh, wow, these parents are finally realizing that when we talked about behavioral issues with certain students, we were not lying. You know, we were saying this um, and we weren't and we don't complain about this to the parent either. We just trying to understand what are the circumstances that might, you know, um, that are that's causing your child to respond this way. Is there anything that works at home that we can, you know, bring about school? So I think that during that first pandemic, I think maybe a lot of parents might be a bit more appreciative or maybe just in general, the public. Mm. But I feel like with the second one, um, well, this current lockdown in the UK, 
I feel some people are, I don't know, almost a bit angry that schools have not opened and they kind of seem to feel that teachers are taking some sort of form of a holiday, um, which is definitely not the case. You know, we're glued to our laptops half the time. Um, and some of the times, especially people who work with the more um, on the more pastoral side of teaching, so people like head of houses, they're spending so much time sort of, you know, liaising between parents and teachers and various specialists and so on to get the right support in place. Um, so I think it's definitely a 50-50. I guess it depends on what corner of the internet you look on um, when it comes to how teaching is valued currently. But um, I'm very much aware that currently there's um, a fair amount of people who seem to think that teachers are taking this time as a holiday. What do you think the role of education is? Um, it can be specifically in teaching English or just education in general, but what do you think the current education system does and influences in shaping us or the recipients of education and who they will become? Oh, wow, that's a good question. That's a really loaded question. Um, well, I think, um, you know, schools, they can be a really good support system. So I think from one side, pastorally, they can provide a really good environment for students to really develop um, the social skills that they need for later on in life. So I guess just in terms of like communication, um, how you speak to different people, and I think they sort of learn that, you know, um, which teacher they speak to. Um, so how they speak to their friends is different as in how they speak to their teachers which I kind of think we do unknowingly bring into the workplace as well. You know, when we talk to our colleagues or when we've got some import, someone important quite higher up coming in, we're not quite as relaxed with them immediately. Mm. Um, so I think that is definitely a skill that they sort of gain unknowingly. And, you know, people, students can surprise you at times. They know the way to speak to different teachers. Like they can instinctively, well, they they kind of know which teachers they can push, which teachers they know, right, they're not going to tolerate anything. Um, I know that. <laughs> so I think actually being able to tell that sort of thing, it can actually be quite useful, although that might not be a specific skill that you can write on a CV. I think that's something definitely worth, um, worth being able to do. And also I think for a certain thing, so I know that some students have lessons that they find a bit boring, um, but I think this idea of finding things a bit dull but just having to do it should be a bit normalized um as i've had to tell so many students you know that there are aspects in any job you go to where you do need to sit through something boring like paperwork or fill in tax forms and so on and that's just something you have to get used to we can't make every single lesson you know it's really exciting or really really um hyperactive there are certain things and you just need to sort of learn how to deal with that mm. but um I think from an English point, and I guess maybe this is from more humanities, I feel that it's really important that students learn to think critically, um, you know, not just accept any single, every single information that comes forward, but to really try to research on their own or read around things. And I think definitely with the way that the internet has changed how we consume information, mm. I think that's a really vital skill that they do not believe anything that's just on Instagram or Twitter, which... 
a few times they've came to us and said, oh, it said this on Twitter or I saw a post on Instagram, it said that. And we've had to um, take that apart and say, this is false. Here are the websites. You know, you are more than welcome to look at these things, but this is not accurate what you're currently finding. It's not credible sources. So that is something that was a bit of an eye opener because whereas a lot of people seem to think that, oh, kids these days are a lot smarter than previous generations. In some respects, that may be true, but it's also they're exposed to so much incorrect information as well now. Yeah. And it's difficult to regulate the right from wrong. So I think that's a really vital skill. But also just as an English teacher, I feel like they need to know how to write, mm-hmm. um, which is something that can be a bit more of a challenge, especially with all the text talk that they use increasingly. Um, but yeah, and a lot of them say, oh, what, we're never going to need this in future. It's like, yes, guys, you actually really do need this in future. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, all of us are similar-ish in age, and we grew up when in a world where Twitter didn't exist, or like mm. these um, digital—not obstructions, but like things, things that you get distracted by. We didn't, we didn't have much of that, so it's like, it's. I think it's really impressive and really respectful for somebody who didn't grow up with that to be teaching something of the importance of that thing that we didn't necessarily experience at that age you know yeah and I think like with teaching as well you kind of need to embrace a bit the digital aspect yeah so to try to you know make it more relatable to them I mean at the moment I'm aware a lot of them are on TikTok um so there are surprisingly a fair amount of teachers on TikTok that make revision videos so we've been downloading that. We've seen guys follow these shadows and sometimes they hate it and they're like, I can't believe you, miss. You know, you're ruining TikTok. I said, no, no, no. You try and use the things that are available. So I think there are definitely benefits, but I guess what they take as truth is can at times be a bit worrying. So I think definitely through the literature that we teach, well, some of the literature, it kind of helps them to think a bit more critically and it kind of... Um, and I think the best lessons I've always found is when they can apply it to their own um, context or their own society. I think those are really powerful. And then you know that they really understood the point of the lesson as well. In terms of like believing everything they see digitally, it's, I find that such, so, I find like a cool parallel between that and like when I guess when I was young and I used to believe a lot of what I saw on television, you know, like mm. I take that as literal. Um, so it's, it's, it's interesting that, you know, you would think, oh, these kids are so smart. They know it's fake, but it's the same experience, I guess, for them as it was for me. Um, and then you said about things being boring and them having to accept that because, you know, in life, not everything is interesting. And I think that's that's an interesting um, analogy you used. And I think it's correct, you know, honestly. But, yeah. but I also wanted to kind of like, but the example you used was the job market. You said like in a job. And I, I wanted to kind of like ask about that because... A lot of times if people see, I remember when I was in like university, they'll always say, when you have a job and your boss does X, Y, Z, this is how, you know, this is what you should say. But is that analogy like, do you find it to be restrictive? I mean, do you, do you feel as though some people who think about teaching as preparation for the job market, 
can can kind of like diminish the the power of teaching in terms of being able to mold someone who asks difficult questions and questions authority and xyz you know so i don't know what's your what's your take on um i think it's a bit of a delicate balance really um so i think even if they decide to start their own businesses there are still there is still going to be aspects of it that they will not enjoy so where a lot of them seem to think that oh i'll be an influencer when i'm older and i've had to actually explain to them that a lot of work goes into being an influencer you know knowing how to market yourself and so on um there's a lot more work that goes behind the scenes than those glamorous photos that you might be seeing on Instagram and I had to well we had to take a bit of a detour from the lesson and explain that some of those things can be a bit dull um you know paperwork some people really enjoy it I'm not one of them but it is something that everyone will have to encounter at some point um so I think it's more also just helping them to manage their expectations when they leave school that, you know, and I think it's as great if they want to have a career on things like social media and they're inspired by things that they see online. Career wise, I think that's brilliant, but I think they do need to maybe not be quite as um, duped by some of the things that they see. Um, I mean, quite a lot of the time I've noticed that students are, when they enter secondary school, they're kind of increasingly disillusioned, certainly a lot more than I feel when we were but I feel that also I like the question that you asked about the job market um, I feel more that the skills that they learn through education and their time in school should definitely help them in the job market like being able to work to the pressure of a deadline whether that's a homework task or if they can't meet that deadline then the importance of letting the teacher know um, I've had to explain to them you know that's part of being responsible if you really can't meet a deadline I said just let us know we're not going to kill you for it but if you turn up on the day saying I haven't done it that's a different story and that's not very mature and that's not something that you'll always get second chances for later on in life you know it could be for a bill you know so I feel those sort of things they kind of need to realize the importance of it and it depends on the year group that they're in as well and um, I think the older that they get you can really drop in some of those examples for them to realize um the older they get a lot of them sort of think oh what's the point in any of this mm. so I think that's when we can actually really sort of get them and explain to them that actually this is really important especially I've noticed as well especially teachers who've had another job before they got into teaching or anyone who's had a different student job so my mom was where I worked as a um, receptionist at a hotel during uni I've used so many examples from that when I would um, tell the students, I said there were aspects of that job I did not like, but we just got on with it, you know, and we just put our heads down, got on with it, which is what they'd also have to do. Oh, yeah, yeah. I have a, a follow-up question. So I'm from Japan, mm -hmm. and the Japanese education system is like hyper-focused on this job readiness aspect um, of mm -hmm. schooling. And basically you enter primary school you take an exam to get into a good secondary school yeah secondary school is designed for you to, to get, get really good scores on that exam that will get you to that good university and then if mm -hmm. you go to graduate school same thing um but like the whole point of the education system is so that you can do well on that test so that you can get a good job because you went to a good school and I feel like because of its hyper focus on that, it kind of neglects other aspects of 
what does it mean for a teacher to teach someone how to be a good human being versus how to be a good worker or how to be a good employee? Like, what does it mean to be anti-racist or like, what does it mean to be inclusive or what does it mean to be like empathetic? And yeah, wondering for you, do you think that the current education system allows for the students to build on both or do you think it it tends to be biased or skewed towards one or the other um i think it would actually depend on the type of school maybe and Hmm. the area so if you know like we've got there is a system in some parts of england where there's the 11 plus and which is basically a test and if they pass that they can get into a grammar school which is a selective um, based secondary school system so quite a lot of parents you know from as soon as their children are ready they put their children into for tutoring for that 11 plus which there are a fair amount of arguments then what's the if the 11 plus is meant to sort of even the playing fields and getting these children from disadvantaged backgrounds into schools which are focused solely on academics which maybe no one else in their family would have been exposed to is it really working then if parents are tutoring their children and yeah. um, so i feel definitely in some grammar schools the focus is and the expectation is that you will go to university um but i've also been made aware that i think there is a rise of things like apprenticeships yeah. um which i think is actually a really positive thing and it can be you know as teachers i think sometimes we do need to bear in mind i mean where i teach english which is a core subject along with maths and science not all students are academically inclined, you know, um, students do have different skill sets. So I think part of school is also to help students sort of understand and realise where their skill sets lie. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that will always be completely achieved by the age of 16 or 18, but to make them at least, you know, feel confident or know the areas that they are excelling in. I think that's a really good thing to sort of maybe build them up and then go, OK, these are your skill sets. What can we do with them? You know, what sort of things would you like to do going on with them? And I think that's a bit more of a better and a holistic approach um, in terms of, you know, for job markets and so on. And I think it's also helping students realise and, well, telling them, go get work experience. Um, But, yeah, going to your question about things like empathy. um, But I think as an English teacher, definitely we're, we're in quite a lucky position to actually explore that through the different texts we study. and through the different characters you know where we really actually study a character and critically analyze and we're actually made to feel you know some level of sympathy or empathy depending on students or the characters but um so in the uk we've got this thing called um personal um social and health education so it's meant to be through those lessons that we tackle those well i say tackle but really discuss those things like inclusion um, racism, homophobia and prejudice, all those sorts of sort of almost taboo topics and they can be a bit difficult at times, especially I've noticed during this pandemic because we don't always know what the parents' views are. So mm-hmm. a lot of the time, especially the younger children, they might just repeat back what the parents are saying, not mm-hmm. actually realising the implications of it. So one yeah, of my friends yeah. were, um, you know, they were telling me they were one of the students was coming in saying, you know, supporting someone like who is making some really extreme derogatory right wing comments. 
and she had to just say right okay we'll we'll start the lesson a bit later but we need to talk about who this person is are you aware what he said and the child said no just that my dad said that you know they were going to save britain and so on so um so you know these children aren't really thinking through because you know naturally they think that yes um what my parents say is right so it's actually yeah so i mean that can be a bit uncomfortable you know telling children that no don't listen to your parents for that Um, (laughs) you know so we kind of have to sort of broach this topic and we kind of do need to explain as well to them that for certain things there might be a bit of a generational um difference in how you perceive certain things but i think in terms of and diversity i do feel there is still a very very long way to go and i do think sometimes there is this on I guess this belief that some people have that um, we should only teach texts featuring um, people of colour or people who are not heterosexual in a text if we have those students in our class, Um, which I don't um, agree with actually. Even if we have a class with predominantly white students, I think we should still teach those texts because they need to understand that actually there are different voices there. There are different opinions and there are people who have had a different life as well so i think they really need to understand and have those empathy as well and i think if we do that it kind of will hopefully chip away at some of those prejudices and discrimination that some of them might face and what some of them might hold so i think that's definitely something that needs to be changed i mean there's so many campaigns and petitions going around to actually change those things and i completely agree with the intent behind it but again, I think only once actually becomes something solid changed in the um, national curriculum, then only all schools are going to actually make a change for it. We like to ask, we like to end off with uh, getting a little bit of, I guess, take on the future. And I guess for for you, we wanted to ask you: Do you have faith in the ability of education to prepare kids for like the difficult problems of the world. Sorry, well, I think I just want to make sure that students are being able to actually think critically where the world is going currently. I think that's what I think one of the biggest skill sets that they really need. So if I could change something in education, but again, that's quite a big thing as well. So that's quite a daunting prospect preparing them to not take everything at face values as well when they're constantly surrounded by so many things. Um, but another change that I would bring as well, I'd make it mandatory to actually teach texts from a variety of voices. I mean, the curriculum had been changed a while ago to make sure that it was featuring only British um, writers. And um, we have, there are a range of voices and experience from British writers as well though you know so everyone said um, it's a bit bizarre yeah yeah so everyone said oh it's that means it's only I saw someone was saying oh it's only that means it's only going to be white people it's like no actually we do have writers of color um and we can actually focus on that and if in a way actually that might make it more relatable for students as well knowing that it's not always a situation that happens in America I mean something that we saw during the last lockdown a lot of people thought oh racism is only that bad in america it's not as much finished in uk and when i asked them you know why they thought that so they really explained it the way they're taught black history they're always using american examples which has made many schools really rethink their history curriculum and they really have you know put aside the time 
to you know really revamp that so i think the importance of having different voices within a curriculum i think will help make well hopefully we'll get a generation of students leaving school becoming more empathetic and becoming more tolerant that that would be the dream i think that was an amazing conversation it was an amazing conversation but i think it's also amazing what you do oh thank you i don't think you guys thank you very much enough thank you yeah, I'm not used to praise like this. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can get it for free on introspection. Yeah. <laughs>